0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're looking at the book of Ephesians right now as a church. And, uh, you know, as we look through Scripture, every book of the Bible, every passage, there's something different that challenges us, something that inspires us in some way. And uh, last week was shared on Ephesians 3, 1 to 13, and this great mystery that through through what Christ did, those who are far away, the Gentiles, the ones that were distant from the Lord, us, most of us I would think, uh, actually God made us one, part of his body, part of his family, that he he that the promises that he had for his his people Israel, actually we became grafted in, and this great mystery was revealed. Not only to us, but to the heavenly realms. And actually that we walk in this space where we're, we're encouraged now to come boldly before his throne. We're, we're encouraged to share in all the promises he has for us. And so this was this great mystery that, that we shared last week from this passage. And so this Sunday we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A lot of Ephesians, when we look at it, there's prayer, he has prayers for the church. Uh, he, he, He prays for one thing and he asks he prays for other things, and, and at the end of the of Ephesians, where we'll get to, he encourages the church to pray for him as well. But we have this, this passage in Scripture that he has two prayers in particular that he's praying for them. And the first prayer is for strengthening. And a bit of an interesting prayer, actually, when you kind of unpackage it, it's a, it's a bit of an interesting thought. The prayer is that the inner being is strengthened by the power of his Spirit so that Christ may dwell in their hearts or our hearts through faith. There will be a strengthening of the inner man that Christ may dwell. I'm sure at Christmas time, uh, we've all come, we've all heard from, uh, the RSPC or other agencies that, that share that actually a dog is not just for Christmas. How many of you have heard that or seen it? A dog is not just for Christmas. And the point they're trying to get to is that, you know, it's nice at Christmas time to get a dog. Uh, because everyone's happy and, and, uh, you know, that you, have got time with this little puppy and it's an amazing experience. But then January comes and it's raining and it's wet and, and you actually have to go outside with this little guy and you have to walk it and you gotta pick its stuff up and you've, you've gotta feed it and you've gotta look after it and it wants to be up in the middle of the night when you want to be sleeping and it's like a baby now you've got at home. And, uh, and quickly the, the, the beauty of it, the whole experience can get lost. How many of you have ever had this moment? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who has a dog knows what I'm talking about. Um, and so you have this, this understanding that when you take a dog into your home, you're taking a dog for the, long, the long-term process. You're, you're, you're committing to grooming it. You're committing to taking it to the vet. You're committed to walking it when he needs to go a walk on a daily, not just on a weekly or monthly basis, but on a daily basis, right? And even sometimes twice a day or three times a day. So it's, it's one of those things. Now, do you know what? Our relationship with Christ, in many ways, is the same thing. Christ is not just for Christmas. It's not just this feel-good factor that we have once or twice a year, maybe Christmas and Easter, and we, we get Jesus out, and we think, oh, Jesus just makes me feel good this time of year. And And then we put Jesus back into the closet after the decorations go away. And actually, we, we, we don't think so much about it anymore. Jesus is actually not this tag along friend that is there to help us when we really hit those kind of tricky moments. All of a sudden we put, we pull Jesus out again and think, Oh, Jesus, now I need your help again. So he comes out of the closet and, and now we're, we're, we're asking for his help. But when things start to go well, you know, we, we kind of put him, put him back. Paul said our inner man needs to be strengthened by the work of the Holy Spirit, that Christ may take up residence in our hearts. You see, Christ is, is to, to be a resident member of the most intimate part of who you are, your heart. Our inner man needs to be strengthened because actually there's, there's a tug of war, there's a great competition for your heart. A huge competition. The, the, bi- the, the, the biggest competition that you're facing right now is the competition over your heart. The enemy wants that space. The world is, is trying to fill it with other things. Our own ambitions even want to kind of fill those voids and those, that, that thought. But actually, we were created with a room in our heart for only one resident. Only one resident can actually fill our... Heart, And we need the Holy Spirit's help to discern, to help us weed out, to, to push away the, the other things, the other distractions that would get into our heart and lead us to the place of unfulfillment, lead us to the place of, of feeling regret. Because only Christ can can bring that fullness in us when he's taking that preeminent place deep inside of who we are. Our hearts were designed for one occupant. You know, Christ isn't into flat sharing. He is into a group context when Christ is Lord of our hearts, Lord of our lives. Actually, he is the one that's there. And everything else takes second place. Everything else in our lives is around what Christ is saying and doing. You know, I think for, for you and for me, there's. There's times that uh, we, we can be in a, a church service or in a context and, you know, we're passionate about God. And, you know, I, especially I find at conferences because you've got extended services and you just fall in love with Jesus. and You want to do everything for him. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. But then you, you kind of go through life and, and you leave that space. And, and it's easy to start to fill that that space of a heart again with other things. I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but I have encountered this. Suddenly there's these other pulls in my heart that I start to live for something else. You see, if you're wondering what is in your heart, it is from the overflow of our heart, our heart that we speak. It's from the overflow of our heart or that space of our heart is, is what we will invest our money into. It's from the place of a heart that we will make our decisions of what's really important. Our heart is a huge dictator of all these sorts of things of our lives. And so, if you wonder, "Well, Jesus is is Lord of my heart," okay, great, fantastic. Then actually, your life will reflect it in other ways because there's it, it's demonstrated. And so, I think the challenge for us is that is Christ the Lord of a heart? And if He's not the Lord of a heart, we need to we need the work of the Holy Spirit to help us that Christ would take up residence, would dwell in our hearts. How was the prayer for the church of Ephesus? that, That Christ would dwell in their hearts, that Christ would be Lord and Master of their hearts. The second one is after the first one in the prayer, obviously. It's this, and I pray. That you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. So the second prayer, so the first prayer is strength that Christ would take up residence. But then the second prayer is for this revelation. Being rooted and established in love. What does that mean? Actually, that's being, that's Christ taking up residence. Right? If Christ is in our hearts, actually there's, there's, there's a rooted and, um, established in love is being rooted and established in Christ. But from this now to grasp this love of Christ. This love that surpasses knowledge. It isn't a love that we can approach with an, kind of an intellectual mindset, but actually it's this love that we need to experience. It's a love that is, is greater than we can understand in our humanness, our humanity. A love that in, in three different ways we, we see it's, it's unconditional. You know, we see in Scripture that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of the Lord, He died for us. This is love. Not that we loved him, that he loved us. And sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. This unconditional love. This unrelenting love. In Psalm 23:6, in the New Living Translation, it says, Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue. Now, I know other translations say follow, but I love this word, pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This love that pursues. It's unrelenting. I tell you what, you can't get away from God's love. It's, it pursues us all the days of our lives. Christ's love is there. He's pursuing us, pursuing us, pursuing us. But it's also, it's unstoppable. We all know this passage, or I'm sure we've heard it at some point in our lives, in Romans 8. I'm just going to read it for a refresher. For I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the presence, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can hold back this love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And so when Paul's saying, look, I hope that your hearts can, can, can grasp how high and wide and deep it's, it's big. Church, it's really big. And, and and if Christ is in the center of your life, then you're in a position to start to understand it. You see, if Christ isn't in the center of your heart, and he isn't a resident in your heart, actually, we can't grasp it because Christ isn't there to start with. Does that make sense? You see, when Christ is when we are rooted and we find ourselves in Christ and we, we make him Lord of our lives then that positions us to now experience the fullness of his love. You see, Christ has paid it all for us. He has done it all. And he loves us, not because of what we have done, not because of who we are, not because of of anything of our family background. He loves us because he loves us. What a revelation. You see, I think we live in a world where love is often conditional. We might have grown up in a family where love is shown if, if certain things are done or not done, or there's a response of love given. And so we can, we can project that onto God's love towards us saying, actually, that's how God loves us as well. So if I just do this, if I come to church more, if I give more, if I, if I do that, then somehow God's gonna be, be more in love with me than he is already. Do you know what? There's nothing we can do to change God's love for us. And there's something very freeing to know that. You see, I think that the, the enemy loves to pull us into the direction of law and loves to pull us into the direction of, you know, penance or the, 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 the side of if we, if we don't measure up, if we fail, if we make mistakes, then somehow God doesn't love us anymore. Or I, I need to do this or maybe I can't pray for the next five days because God's going to be angry with me and all of those things. The enemy loves to, to pull the law out. But actually, we see in Scripture that Christ has paid for every sin once and for all, not just the past sins, but our future sins. He's paid for all of our sins. Actually, we have unlimited access to the Father. And we see in Scripture that nothing separates us from the love that he has for us. Nothing can separate us. So what does that mean? It means actually, even when I fall short, he still loves me. And so I, the pressure's off me of somehow earning the Father's love, but I can live in that space of just knowing that I am loved and there's a security that comes from that. You see, we see also that that perfect love drives out fear, doesn't it? Because fear has to do with punishment. You see this in 1 John chapter 4. His perfect love drives out fear. You see, the enemy wants to pull us back, wants to kind of house us in, doesn't want us to live out our full potential. But actually, if Christ is resident in my heart, and if I tap in to the fullness of His love for me, a disarming love, then everything I do, if it flows out of this relationship, a loving relationship with God, you know what? Everything else It's possible. It isn't based upon works. It isn't based upon performance. It isn't based upon trying to be good enough. It is completely based on a love relationship. A love that's based upon his love towards me. Paul says, I I, I pray that you'll be able to grasp it with all the saints. I I pray you'd be able to grasp how big this is. This is mind-blowing stuff. If you can just grasp it. I pray that you have that revelation. I don't know where you're at today in your understanding of God's love for you. But can I tell you that you are loved by God? And it isn't a matter of you feeling it. It's a matter of truth. I want us to make a declaration. And I want us to say this. I am loved by God. Can we do that today? All of us, okay? All of us. I am loved by God. Let's do it over time. I am loved by God. Now, tomorrow morning, or Friday morning, when you feel like a bit of a loser, when you feel all those other things, when other people don't love you or don't care for you, make the declaration. I am loved by God. And He is in my heart. He is in my life. He is in, He's dwelling with me, and I am loved by him so nothing else really matters if the God of the universe the God who created heaven and earth the God who knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb if he loves me who else does it doesn't really matter if other people don't love me if my creator loves me then that's enough that's enough and that leads us Onwards to the next point, which is this last bit of the passage. And I, I, we have to take it in the, the flow of thought, right? That Christ would dwell in our hearts, that, that we would grasp his love. But then he goes, and now, and now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Wow. Wow. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. You see, when Christ has taken up residence, when we have this revelation of his love, it leads us to this point of unlimited potential. You see, I think the two things before this statement harness what can happen through our lives. You see, if Christ isn't Lord of our lives then actually we are our limitation, right? If we don't have an understanding of God's love for us, then actually fear can be our motivation. And that can be the hindering factor of our lives. But actually, if Christ is Lord and we have a revelation of his love for us, then all things are possible for our lives. It unlocks this, this unlimited potential through his power that is in work within us. God is able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine. There's no glass ceiling in God's kingdom. Isn't that amazing? And I think, I've shared this in the past, but I think it's what we think of ourselves that holds us back more than what God thinks of our lives. He's able to do immeasurably more than what we could dare to dream or imagine Why? Because God desires to do more to us. The good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do are far greater than what we've imagined. And yet it requires us to cooperate with him to see that happen. God is able to do immeasurably more, but we need to say yes to him in that process. Again, I think I've said this in the past, but what would happen if every time God spoke to us, we just said yes What would your life look like if there was no limits? Christ was Lord in your heart. He was dwelling in your life. You have a revelation of his love. And we were just so in love with him that we were willing to do whatever he's asking of us. I find it interesting, young couples that are in love, how willing they are to go the extra mile. They'll drive miles and miles. How many of you had those kind of encounters? And then you get married, and it stays, doesn't it? It stays. You drive even further because you know what you've got. You see, love is a great motivator. It's a great releaser. And I think when we're in love with the Lord and we understand his love for us, it moves us in that space of the unreasonable. To grasp how much he loves me and him asking something of my life. We say, of course, Lord. Man, I love you. This is far greater than me. I want to please you because I'm in love with you. You see, when our relationship is based upon works, it becomes law. We're trying to fulfill, tick a few lists, but that always becomes reasonable. We do what's reasonable. But the immeasurably more is unreasonable. But it only can flow from a position of love. The unreasonable can only flow from that position of understanding the greatness of God's love. To be in that space. Because it makes sense when you're in love. It makes sense to drive around the clock to see your wife when you're in love. When you haven't seen her for a while. It makes sense. It's unreasonable, but it makes sense. The same thing goes in our service to the Lord. It makes sense the immeasurably more when we're in love. When there's this capacity in our hearts of understanding the depth of His love for us. He's Lord of our hearts. And we say, of course, Lord. I want the immeasurably more because I love you. Our potential is dictated by our relationship with the Lord. It starts at this fundamental point. He loves you more than you can Imagine. But he can't take second place in your life. He must have your heart. And you can be a Christian for a long time. And we see this in Revelation that we can lose our first love, can't we? Christ can be that first love to start with. He can have taken up residence in our heart. But actually other loves kind of start to take root. And Christ goes from that center point to the guest house. God this morning is just knocking at the door of our hearts. He said, so I I, I want to come in. I want to take up residence in your heart. I want I want to display to you this love, this passion I have for you. And if you can allow me in, and if you allow me to touch your heart, there's more possible through your life than what you could dare to dream or imagine.